Well, good morning, Springhouse. How are you this morning? Boy, I feel like I'm loud. Am I loud? Can you turn me down just a little bit? <laughs> it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. God has created all things. He's created today. He's created you. And it's no coincidence that you are here this morning and uh, in the presence of the Lord. I believe God has some things for us this morning. I am grateful. I am ever so grateful and honored uh, and privileged for the opportunity to speak this morning and, uh, and in the coming weeks, especially with regard to this series. And I am humbled that God would use me in a capacity like this. And I'm humbled that you would come and that you would uh, desire uh, to, to hear the words that God has placed uh, in the people who uh, speak from this platform. I never want anybody to be on this platform speaking just their opinions and their own ideas. The people on this platform, our, our prayer and our hope is that everything that's presented here would be the truth of God's word. And that we wouldn't just go off, fly off the cuff or that we wouldn't just give you the next um, news line or anything like that, but that we would be truly anchored in the truth of God's word so that we can stand on something that has foundation. And so it is a privilege uh, walking on the platform. I'm in awe of being in this position and speaking to you. And I just want you to know as your lead pastor that I don't take it lightly whenever I get this opportunity to present to you. My prayer over the next half hour or so and into the next couple of weeks, uh, as I've been praying and meditating on this series, my prayer would be that we would be recipients of supernatural peace in a chaotic world. That we would be recipients of a supernatural peace in a chaotic world as we beseech the Lord for his divine and merciful favor in our lives. And I believe that God's favor is available to believers. I do believe that God's favor is available and it is, it is something that we can ask him for and it's something that he will give. And we're gonna talk about favor in just, in just, a, little, in just a little while. I also would pray that for those of you who are in a fight right now, that you would not give up. The word tells us to not grow weary in doing good. And I believe that there are people here this morning that you have been fighting and that you have been wrestling. And some of you may be at the brink of wanting to throw in the towel or you're wanting to give up or you're wanting to throw your hands up. You don't understand what's going on or why you've had to step through the trial, why you've had to step through this season. But I want to encourage you this morning that the God that started that thing will finish that thing. The God who is a the God who has sent you into that valley, he has equipped you for that valley. He's equipped you for the storm. God never sends someone without equipping them. And if you found yourself in a mess where you have tripped up and you have fallen because you have succumbed to the world's desires and the world's things, God has a special grace for you. When we fall down as believers, we get back up. When we fall down and we trip, we get back up. That is the message of the saints. It's the message of the gospel is that we have the power because of Christ Jesus and his blood to get up and start over again. Amen. He is the God of do it again and do it again and do it again. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to, to go into this this, this series, and I know and I'm very aware that our world is chaotic, but your life doesn't have to be. Our world is chaotic, 
but your life doesn't have to be. So if you would please stand with me this morning, we're going to read the psalm with which our series title came from, which is Psalm 46. There's only four slides this morning in this psalm, and I would, uh, I would encourage you, have you ever read a book and you, you read two or three pages and you look at me and you're like, I have no idea what I just read, Okay. <laughs> Let's not read these slides that way, okay? Let's read with some gusto, with some meaning, like we actually believe what the Word of God says and that we want to lean in and learn and understand better. Are we ready? All right, here we go. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And Father, we believe your word this morning. We are privileged to know and have access to your living and active truth today. So Father, I'm asking this morning that it would penetrate our hearts to the point to where we have nothing left to do but to do something about it and with it. Lord, that you would totally allow anything that comes from me that's not of you be forgotten. But Lord, that we would stand on your very truth as we walk out this journey in life. We love you today. I'm trusting, Lord, that you would transform us because of your truth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. So we are starting, uh, as I mentioned, this new series called Be Still and Know. Be Still and Know. And this morning, uh, I plan to lay quite a bit of groundwork and foundation so that over the next couple of weeks, we will be able to fly. So I'm going to ask you to bear with me, to go with me, uh, to hang with me. And if you will allow some of this to really um, go into the foundation here, then I believe that the Lord's really wanting to shake some things and do some things uh, today and over the course of, of, this, of this series. As we, get into the, as we get into this uh, today, I believe that there is a foundational truth 
with which we have to springboard from. And it's not a truth that we haven't discussed here before. It's not a truth that we haven't taught here. In fact, I think I taught about it just a few weeks ago. But it is so foundational. It's so foundational. It's so pivotal. It's so important that I believe that if we do not grab a hold of this very essential truth, then everything that we're walking into and the way that we evaluate our lives and the way that we evaluate the world, the way we evaluate our circumstances, our attitudes, our behavior, what we say, what we do, all flows from whether we really actually recognize this truth and that we stand on it and that we understand that it will change us on the inside and the outflow of what's happening on the inside will be the outflow of what happens on the outside in these various situations. This truth is foundational and it is this, this world is not your home. This world is not your home. Now, you may be thinking, okay, you know, we've heard that before. That seems to be very, very uh, uh, like a no-brainer. You know, of course, Kevin, this world is not my home. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. This world is not my home. I get it. I've heard it before. But some reason, some, for, some, for some reason, our lives don't actually exhibit this truth. Our decisions, our behaviors, our attitudes actually seem to mimic the idea or to express the idea as if we have set up camp here and we are here to stay. Some of us have engaged in some of the most frivolous battles in the world that God has not asked you to do anything about or say anything about, and it is as if you are protecting something or a place where you do not belong. This world is not our home. And we wonder why and how people can have peace in the most dire, chaotic situations and circumstances in this world. Why do fellow Christians not throw their arms up and go into battle just swinging? Because they have a peace and understanding that I'm just passing through this chaotic mess. This world is not your home. There is a real kingdom of the world. And you were born into this world. It was never God's intention. It was never God's intention for you to belong to the world. From the beginning of time, he always wanted you to be with him, in relationship with him, in his kingdom. And so here we are, born into this world, born into sin, into a place where we were never supposed to belong. And somewhere down the line, somewhere in your life, somewhere in your journey, you were introduced to this Jesus. Somewhere for most of you in your lives, you were introduced to this Jesus and you made a radical decision in your life that said, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ came, was born of a virgin, lived an impeccable life, died on a cross for my sin, a penalty for things that I've done. And because of his death and his resurrection, more importantly, his resurrection, I now have access to a king of a kingdom that I once 
belong to, that I was supposed to belong to. And so the kingdom, God's kingdom, becomes available to us. In the commission for believers in Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And so what happens in John 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. And so we have a spiritual birthday. We have a spiritual birthday And with this spiritual birthday, we are given the rights of citizenship into God's great kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are citizens and we reserve as citizens the rights to this kingdom. All of the privileges of this kingdom belong to us. But here's the thing. Physically, in the reality that we live physically, we are not standing in God's kingdom We are standing in the world. So here I am in the world, yet I am a citizen of God's kingdom. Now, when I gave my life to Jesus, what was supposed to happen was a transformation in my life that said, wait a second, what the kingdom of God has to offer me, what this king has to offer me is far better and far superior than anything that this world has to give me, has to offer me. And so we begin to understand, get this people, we begin to understand as we're standing here as a citizen of a kingdom in a world to which we don't belong, we begin to understand the idea that we are at war. You are in a war today, right now. You are in a war. And the war, according to the king of this place, is that the war is against each other. The deception and the confusion is that we are at war against each other. But the truth is, is we are actually at war against the enemy. The person sitting next to you is not your enemy. The people you see on TV, they are not your enemy. There is a real enemy and we are at war. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to what? To make it obedient to Christ to make it obedient to Christ. So in my citizenship of the kingdom, I have proactively decided to submit to that king. And in my submission to that king, I understand, I understand that my submission to this king supersedes anything that this world's king's telling me to do. And so I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. We live in the beautiful, wonderful United States of America. People have given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy. And I honor them and I recognize them. The constitution of your citizenship in the United States invites you 
to pick up your rights. You have a right to say what you want to say, to do what you want to do, to go where you want to go. People have fought so that you can have that freedom. Well, I'm here to tell you, friends, that the constitution of the kingdom is the word of God. And the constitution of the kingdom invites you to lay your rights down. The constitution of the kingdom invites you to lay your rights down. So if I'm operating in the world, though I am under the U.S. constitution that says I can say whatever I want to say, I can do whatever I want to do, I can go wherever I want to go, the king of my kingdom, the king of the kingdom I belong to, has a constitution that says you don't have the right to say anything you want to say, you don't have the right to do anything you want to do, and you don't have a right to go anywhere you want to go. Instead, I want you to say the things I tell you to say. I want you to do the things I tell you to do. I want you to go to places I tell you to go. And so the king of God's kingdom, who has so much more to give us than this world ever does, is beseeching you to come and take part and taste and see that it is, he, is, he is good. So here's the thing. The king of this kingdom eventually is going to destroy this kingdom. Which one do you want to belong to? This kingdom is an eternal kingdom. This kingdom's going to last forever. This kingdom has benefits that far supersede any timeline that any of you can stamp on your life. And he is a king that is after you, that loves you, that is for you, and not against you. But yet, we have citizenship in the kingdom of God, but we live as if we just live, in, we live as if we belong to this place and we are chained here. One of the things, one of the benefits that we have as being a citizen of God's kingdom, though we are in the world, is God's favor. God's great favor is available to you. Now, what we like to say is God's favor is available to me. So that means a new Mercedes Benz. It means a bank account that has three, four, five, six, seven digits in it. It means that my household is going to prosper. It means I'm going to get all the stuff. And what we twist God's favor into meaning is I get all of the wonderful things of this world. And that's not what God's favor is. In fact, most of the time when God talks about his favor, he's talking about protection from those things. He's talking about protection for you, favor for you in a world with which you do not belong. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I pray for God's favor every single day. I need God's favor in my life. I need to stand as one as, that is approved from God, that he sends me and that he protects me. Do you know how many people are against me as a minister of the gospel? Just a Christian alone, just walking in this world. Do you know how, peop, how many people will come against you? I need the favor of God in my life so that I can hear clearly to, to, to say the things he wants me to say, to do the things he wants me to do, and to go to places where he wants me to go. I need God's favor in my life. And you should be praying for God's favor in your life. You should ask this, this favor giver, because let me tell you something, you guys are in a, a foreign land. You are in a foreign land. And if the Bible, the word of God is the constitution of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is your guide in this foreign land. But the problem is, is that 
This doesn't seem too foreign to us. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The kingdom seems foreign to us, but that's where our home is. We are invited on this journey to learn more about his kingdom and operate from that perspective in the world with which we live. If I go and travel to Europe as a U.S. citizen, the protections as a U.S. citizen are available to me in Europe. That doesn't mean I get to go to Europe and just wreak havoc, just break all the rules and do everything. No, I still have to submit to the authorities in Europe. Are you hearing me? I still have to submit to the rules there, but I am covered by my citizenship. Listen to this, guys. Because you are a citizen, if you are a citizen of heaven, if you are a citizen of the kingdom, you are protected in the world. But it doesn't mean that you just get to thwart off and just wreak havoc in the world and do whatever you want to do. Because remember, one of the constitutional statutes is laying down your rights. I want to be somebody who says what God tells me to say, does what God tells me to do, and goes where God tells me to go. God's favor in your life will be for his glory, not yours. God's favor in your life will always be for his glory, not yours. So how do we obtain this favor from God? Well, For those of you in this room like me that are formula lovers, there is a formula actually to God's favor. Now, I will have to disclaimer here. God is God. He can bestow favor on whom he chooses. I'm not the authority on God's favor. But there seems to be a, a formula in scripture as I see it, and it is this. Righteous living is the pathway to God's favor. Righteous living is the pathway to God's favor. Well, where do we find righteous living? Where do we find the strength to live righteously? We find it in the knowledge of the word and listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying him. How do we know this? Well, this is what the scripture says. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. There's protection. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. My thing's not working. Here it is. Whoop. Go back. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, when I opened this morning, I talked about this glorious God to where we trip up and we grit, when we grab hold of this world and we start tripping up, we start going down in these vices and those things, these types of things, the power of the resurrected Christ in his blood gives us the strength to stand up again and to stand up again, and to stand up again. How do we know what it is that we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live? It is by the truth of God's word and the power of his Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. Here's the awesome thing about being a part. There's many awesome things, but here's one of the most awesome things about being a part of God's kingdom. We have the victory in the end. We are victorious in the end. We know the end of the story. We know how this 
pitiful, chaotic world is going to turn out. And we know that if we belong to the king, we are going to live with him in eternity. We have access to the end of the story. Glory, hallelujah. That should be so encouraging to us. Let me tell you what the promise is. Okay, guys, are you ready for this? Here's the promise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Does anyone want to see God make everything new? I want God to make everything new. The old order has passed away. He's going to demolish and destroy this world. It's going to be gone and all that's going to be left is his kingdom and his kingship and those who belong to him. So for those of you who have been in momentary seasons of having to wipe tears, you have been disheartened and mourning death. You have been distraught because of things that have happened, tragedies that are all around you. I want to offer you hope this morning to let you know that because you belong to this kingdom, he is going to make all things new. That's a promise that you can cling to because you belong to the kingdom of God. And so we are commissioned in Psalm 36 to be still and know that he is God. And you know what we do with that? We go to Hobby Lobby and we buy the cutest little plaque. We buy the little sign and we plaster it in our office. We put it in our bathroom. We put it in our living room. We have it on our phone. We put it on Facebook. And we have this cute little saying that says, be still and know that he is God. And it just, you know, it feels just good to say that, right? Just be still, relax, meditate, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about it. Be still and know that he is God. Do you know that when we have that mentality, we make him so super small. And we actually, we actually take the phrase out of context with which it was meant in scripture. Because here's the thing, the context with be still and know that I am God is a context within war. The context within that scripture in Psalm 46 is the context is war. And I'm telling you this morning, you are in a war. The enemy wants to blind you from that fact. If he can make you comfortable in this world, then you will not pay any attention to the fact that you are in a war. And when you wake up and the world is demolished, you're going to wonder what's going on with your foundation. And the enemy's just going to sit back and laugh because you have created your house in the world. It's not where you belong. You're in a war. And so let's look at this from the standpoint of, I don't belong to this world. I don't belong here. Let's look at Psalm 36 from a war perspective. It says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Do you understand that, guys? We will not fear when, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Does it seem like the earth's getting way? Does it seem like the mountains are crumbling and falling? Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river 
whose stream make glad the city of God. The city of God is Jerusalem, the city of God. We belong to that. We belong. We are God's people in that. The river, there is a river whose stream. In Revelation 22, it talks about this river that flows into the city. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. If you are in the kingdom, you will not fall. You will be victorious. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty means... Translated, the God of his army. God of his army. The God of our army is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes wars cease because he has sovereignty and all authority to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still. And know that I am God. Be still in the, uh, in the Hebrew. The word is Rapha. And what it means is surrender and give up your rights. Surrender to him. Rest in him. Be quiet in him. Let me tell you something. Be still. Be still and know that he is God is huge in this war that we are in because when we come upon things we have a tendency to grab a hold to the vices and the things that we that we are used to and that we gather that we see the weapons that the the world uses and we tend to use those against the battles that we're in but God says be still and know that I am God I will be exalted I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth It is only in the place of being still that we can actually understand the word of God and employ what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Listen to me. There's a movement right now. There's people that are saying, I literally have people come to my face and say, when you are silent about the world's issues, it means you're complicit. You do not, if you're not speaking the truth out against what the world is saying, then you are complicit and you are stating something when you're not saying something. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit gives me the power to shut my mouth until he tells me to open it. The Holy Spirit gives me the power to shut my mouth until he tells me to open it. And here's the thing. We've got too many Peters out there with the truth. There is a, there's a difference in knowing the truth and knowing how to use it and when to apply it. There is a difference in knowing the truth and knowing when to apply it. We got too many people out there with swords and you wonder why there's such division in the church and amongst Christians and believers. The same people who all belong to the kingdom, the same citizens all cutting each other up because we don't know how to handle the word of God because we are using the weapons of warfare from the world and not from the kingdom. When we look when we, look at, when we look at the story, we're going to talk about this, I think, in two weeks, but when we look at the story of Jericho, and they march out to Jericho, if you know that story, I can't imagine what the people were thinking. They're geared up for war. They're geared up for victory. Now, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to be quiet, and we're going to walk around. We're going to just march around this, this thing. And guess what? We're going to do it for six days. And if that didn't wear you out enough or frustrate you enough, on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. I mean, 
It's crazy nonsense, but here's the thing. God's favor will never exalt you. It's going to exalt him. So the way you fight your battle is always going to be how he says, because in the end, he's going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. Over in Exodus 14, we can see this play out. Some of you know the, the story of, of uh, the deliverance of the people in Egypt. And, and what happens is, is Moses has been commissioned to go to Egypt. Now, Egypt is symbolic for the world. Remember, we're talking about the world, the institution, the, 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 I guess the physical place, the world and God's kingdom. And Egypt is symbolic for the world. And so Moses goes, is, is called upon to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go, let them free. And they've been in bondage and slavery. And Moses reluctantly says yes to the call. And he musters up courage and faith enough to go before Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, you need to let these people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And right before the Israelites' eyes, God brings 10 different plagues. Do you know that in those 10 plagues, the God's people were protected God's favor was on his people. God's favor was on his people. Now, I want, sometimes when I read this, I don't know if you're anything like me, I, if I'm in my reading time and I go through, it's kind of like I can read the story of the plagues kind of like a cartoon. It happens, the flies come, they're gone. The gnats come, they're gone, da, 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 da. This happened over a, uh, some time. This happened, this had to happen over some time. Things were destroyed, but God's people were unscathed. 10 different times to the point where the last plague was that the firstborn of every family was to die. The firstborn of every family was to die. And what the God's people had to do is take a blood of the of a lamb and put it on their doorpost. And the spirit angel when the spirit angel saw the blood on the doorpost, he passed over. This is how we get Passover. You've heard of Passover. The death angel passed over the doorpost and he killed every firstborn in, in Egypt. The cries, the devastation, the chaos. And finally, Pharaoh says, you may go. And so Israel is now marching out, having had the favor of God over and over and over and over again. And this is what happens. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, we, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. Let me tell you something. You are nothing but a service to the world. You are to be used and manipulated by the world. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with the officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued Israel, the Israelites who were marching out boldly. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, get this, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And this is their response. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. 
it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, I want you to understand that what happened was is they were favor upon favor upon favor upon favor. They were released. They were released and set free. And the first obstacle they come upon is the Red Sea. And they turn behind them and their past is trying to come up, catch up to them. Some of you have your past trying to come after you. And you need to know that God is going to protect you from your past. He's going to protect you from those battles. He's going to protect you from those things. And Moses answered the people. He says this, do not be afraid. Guys, I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to what? Be still. You only need to be still. Guys, I am telling you, I'm telling you, some of you are in a place where you are sandwiched between the Red Sea and an army behind you. And it is so easy to throw in the towel and to give up and to say, it is so much better for me to be enslaved into the world than have to die right here. But I want to tell you that your deliverance is on the way. If you continue to read, this, is, uh, this really gets me. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Tell the, why are, you, why are you crying out to me? Can you imagine God saying that? You're in the moment of distress, you're crying out. And he's saying, why are you crying out to me? You know why he's saying that? Greater is he who is in you than who's in the world. You have everything within you to fight the battles because you have Christ Jesus inside you. You have his Holy Spirit. He has given you everything that you need. You just need to be still. Stop complaining. Stop groaning. Stop taking up weapons of warfare. Start leaning in and listening to the Holy Spirit. And he will come and he will divide the sea. Not only will he divide the sea, but he will destroy the army that's behind you every single time. Does anybody know there was something uh, quite miraculous, I'll use that word, that happened on January 8, 2000 in Nashville? Does anybody remember that? Well, maybe this will remind you. Now, I guess you can applaud, sure. I guarantee you there are people with one minute left who left that game because they wanted to beat the traffic. And what they did is, what they did is exchange something glorious for something frivolous. Some of you are in a fight, in a battle, and you need to see it until the end. You need not give up. Can you imagine if Wycheck and Dyson had decided we're done? I mean, we got 16 seconds left. I'm, I'm, you know, here's the ball. Let's just, whatever. They continued to play their heart out to the very end and it turned things around. It turned things around. You might, come on out here, worship team. You may have a situation in your life where you've got 16 seconds remaining on the clock and the decision is yours. Are you going to play the game or are you going to throw in the towel? And I believe God is saying, if you will continue to be still and know, 
I will give you everything you need to fight your battle. I remember a couple seasons ago with the football team at LCA, I remember uh, the coach inviting me in to be a part of the motivational time with the team. And uh, so I'm walking on the field, uh, we're at home field, and I walked and I'm looking at all of the opposition. I'm looking at all the players and they're tall and they're big. And I walk in and all the players, they're there, they're ready. They're ready to be motivated. And the first thing that flies out of my mouth is, those guys are huge. (laughs) I've never been invited back. (laughs) Let me tell you something, a good coach will tell you that despite the op- what the opposition looks like, you have it within you to take what it takes to become victorious. You have within you what it takes to be victorious. I don't know what it is that you're going through right now today, but in a room this size, in a chaotic world with which we live, I can only imagine what the enemy is trying to stir up in people's lives in this house. And I wanna tell you that you have a God that is for you and not against you. He says, do not give up and grow weary for doing good. You can stand firm and you can trust him. Just all you gotta do is be still in the sense of surrender. Surrender, give it up to him and lean in and know that he is the God of all the armies. He is a God who is fighting on your behalf. He is a God that sees the end from the beginning. There's nothing that you have done that will take his power and his love and his grace away from you. There's nothing that the enemy can say to you or the world can convince you that would be separate from God. You cannot be separated from this love. It is so great. Do not succumb to the lies of this world. Understand that we are at war. We're at war. And I'm gonna tell you guys something. My commission in this war war is not to go out and kill a bunch of people. It's the opposite. My commission in this war is to love people enough that maybe they might want to take up citizenship in the kingdom too. Because what I've been exposed to is far greater than anything the world has to offer. And you've got the power to do that as well. But will you be still? Will you surrender the fight? Will you get out of the battles you're not even supposed to be in? Will you stand up and will you begin to love and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Will you begin to show people the excellency of Christ in this kingdom that they get to belong to while the invitation is still open and there? God, he is so good. All we have to do is be still and know. Would you stand with me this morning? He is a good father. He loves us and he has favor for your life. Let's walk in righteous ways. Let's know the word of God. Let's trust this Holy Spirit and let's stand up and proclaim the favor of God so that when the world is chaotic, we can stand with peace. We can stand with hope. We can stand with joy in all circumstances because we have a king and he doesn't belong to this world. We belong to him. Let's worship.